Welcome to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. We, we all, all share, share a love for Maine's environment. Every day, decisions are made that could impact our woods, waters, wildlife, and climate. Join us as we share stories of Mainers working to build healthier communities and protect what makes Maine so special. Trails are part of what define the Maine experience, whether you're on foot, riding a bike, commuting to work, cruising along on an ATV or snowmobile. Trails help us explore unique places, deliver us to stunning vistas, and connect us to the forest, wildlife, and landscapes that bring us so much joy. Uh, they can also help us run simple errands like getting groceries, something I enjoy doing on my bike using a trail in my town. Uh, and there's one thing that I'm sure we can all agree on. We'd love to see Maine develop an even bigger and better network of trails for the future. Well, I'm your host, Colin Durant, and in this episode of Frontline Voices, we're talking trails uh, and what makes them so great, how we can make them even better. My first guest is Enoch Glidden, an outdoor adventurer and national advocate for adaptive ad athletes who's working toward more accessible trails here in Maine. Enoch was born in Patton with spina bifida and uses a wheelchair to, uh, to get around and explore Enoch. Welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to have you. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this topic. It's kind of my thing and I really enjoy it. So awesome. <laughs> <should be> good. <laughs> nice. Let's do it. Well, so the first thing I wanted to ask uh, is what the main, what Maine's outdoors mean to you? So like how has exploring the woods and mountains of Maine shaped who you are today? Well, having growing up in northern Maine, I I was outside all the time because it was before we had all these devices to keep us inside. So um, I I lived in the woods in a log cabin with my parents. And so we I was always outside and exploring the woods and just seeing what where I could go and what I could do. And I remember one time I decided I was going to peek off into the woods by myself and see how far I could get. So I I found this natural dirt ramp that went off our driveway and I just struck off into the woods and I didn't I got maybe a quarter of a mile and got stuck and I just got out of my wheelchair and started pulling my wheelchair and crawling and I just kept crawling until I found another spot where I could go. So I, I would say the woods and the outdoors of Maine have really shaped who I am because it it really challenged me and mm. showed me what I could do in life. And, and it really, it, it, it makes me happy to be outside. <laughs> That's so awesome. Um, it's so inspiring. And I watched this interview with you in which you talked about how your former gym teacher pushed you to think beyond. And I love this. I can't to how can I? I think that's what you said. Can you just talk a little bit about that and how that's defined your personal and professional life ever since? It was. It sounded like it was just a really key moment. Yeah, I had always, I had always been really aware that I, I could do things, but I really met Bob Dyer on my first day of junior high, and and I, I tell this story about the first time I met him, and he walked up to me, and the first thing he said to me was, "Can you do twenty push-ups in your wheelchair?" And, so me being me, I said, no, I can do 40, but I don't think I'd ever done one push-up at that point. So I I wasn't really sure if I could pull it off, but I did. And after that, Bob didn't treat me differently. He treated me like every other kid. And he pushed me to do all the things that we did in gym class, like 
playing soccer and mm-hmm. and and basketball and all the things that the other kids are doing he made me join in and he found a way for me to join in and so he showed me that there really wasn't anything I couldn't do I just had to find my way of doing it and I think that's what I like to stress to people is mm. don't focus on the Instagram picture of the epic person doing this right epic thing but find your way to do that epic thing and if you want to do something you really can you really can do anything that's such an amazing way of putting it and you just clearly lived your life without holding back a big part of that has been we've talked about this outdoor adventuring including climbing rock climbing i'd love to hear about one or two of those experiences and what made them so powerful for you or such a part of your life so my first climbing experience ever was in the gunks and in New York with a, an organization called Paradox Sports. Mm. And I, I signed up for that because I had lost a friend on Mount Rainier, Nick Hall. Mm. And it was on that day, I, I decided I wanted to see all these places that he had gone for myself through adventure. So he had been on Mount Rainier and he'd been near Yosemite and all these amazing places. And so I had to find a way to figure that, figure out how to do it my way. And I found Paradox Sports and they showed me on that weekend that I could rock climb, I could ice climb, I could do all these epic adventures. I just had to do it in a different way. Mm-hmm. And and that was really the thing that started me on this this path of doing these epic adventures. And eventually I ended up on El Capitan in 2016. So oh my gosh. Uh, that was a, a five-day adventure where I had a guy climb ahead of me and set ropes. And then I would I would just do pull-ups on the ropes. With a, uh, it was just a regular ascender, but it, it has a, a bar through it so I can grab it with both hands and do pull ups. And then I had another guy beside me who was basically there if I needed help. I didn't actually end up needing any, but um, he filmed it and he did all the cleaning and that, that kind of stuff for the gear. But after about 4,000 pull ups, I made it to the top <laughs> five days later. So, oh my gosh, that, that was a that's that's my big one (laughs) that is that is fantastic it's so what a brilliant story and congratulations on that what an achievement yeah yeah it was pretty awesome when you get to the top and you see that view that you can only see from that vantage point it's a pretty amazing experience i'm jealous i can safely (laughs) say i will never see that view (laughs) (laughs) you can you can technically hike all right all right it's an eight mile hike but you can still get up there yeah 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 (laughs) climbing is more fun definitely (laughs) yeah well let's shift specifically to talking about trails in maine um i think a lot of people who often use trails come from a place of enormous privilege because they have the time to find them right to go and visit them um they find them easy to navigate and access uh and you a big part of your life now has been committed to increasing accessibility of trails in Maine. How have you been doing that? And is there a success story that you, you'd like to share about, about this effort to really improve accessibility of trails in Maine? So a few years ago, I was contacted uh, through Maine Trail Finder, a website that basically is the uh, place to go to find trails in Maine. And they want to do increase their um, awareness and their um, the amount of accessible trails they had on the website. So 
I've been going around the state and I go on the website and I pick easy trails and I just try them and see if I can do them. And I also do the ones that are deemed definitely accessible, but I try to do as many trails that aren't technically accessible to show people that maybe they really are. You just have to figure out how to do them. And so I, I've been doing that for, for a few years. And so I've, there actually are a lot of De definitely accessible trails i guess i would call them yeah um, a lot on the coast there's a, a bunch in inland also and so we have i think right around 100 trails we on the on the website now that i've done and that are deemed either doable or accessible yeah and so i we have a a fine trail section where you can click accessible adventures and it will show you all the ones that I've done or or all the ones that have been submitted as being accessible. Mm. And it, it's pretty amazing the amount of variety throughout the state we have. And I'm hoping to hit three more areas that I noticed are kind of sparse for for uh, numbers that I haven't done yet. So this year I'm focusing on three more areas to try to fill in that that map a little more. Oh, nice. Yeah. And if people, I'm sure, I hope most of our listeners are familiar with Maine Trail Finder, but it's it's just maintrailfinder.com. Yep. It's such it's such an amazing resource. I understand you have sort of a rating system, right? Is that is that right? Yeah. So I, I started out trying to make it fun and made it uh, a rating that's sort of for wheelchair users only. So it's I, I put wheelie in front of all of the ratings. Oh, nice. So really easy, really moderate. <laughs> and <laughs> I just try to try to make it fun and make it more interesting and sort of differentiate it from the everyday ratings. Great. Well, yeah. so what's, I mean, you've explored so many trails in Maine, as, as you just talked about. What's one of your favorite trails in Maine? No, oh, that's a tough one. I know. There's, there's so many good ones. Yeah. So there's a, a actually a paved trail in the Lebec area, the Sipiak Trail. Mm. And that's that I like that one because not because it's paid, but it takes you through pretty much every habitat you could possibly find in Maine. Oh, so that it's forest, it's marshland, it's ocean, it's it's sort of all the quick hits in one two-mile trail. And I really like that one, but also uh there's uh Moosehorn National Wildlife Refuge. Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty amazing. Uh, as far as it, in this area, there's Valentine Farm, right, right near where I live. Um, I don't know. I, I like them all for different reasons, I guess. Yeah. Because every trail is a different adventure, and it's a, it's like going exploring every time because you find something different every time. And there's an, another accessible trail in Bridgeton that Luneco Land Trust just finished uh, last year. Yeah. Called at Pondicherry Park and. That one is amazing. And so there's, I don't know, it's it's tough to narrow it down, but I, it, I yeah, every time I go out, it's different. <laughs> that's a that was a good quick hits right there. Yeah. And it's so true that like each trail offers something different, right? And like you said, you find something new every time. It's that's yeah. like one of the really yeah, kind of exciting yeah. and cool that's things. One of the things I love about it is mm. it's like going exploring and I think that's why I like rock climbing and all the things that I do because it's a different perspective 
on the world and it's a way to explore the the world differently. Yeah, for sure. Well, so this week um, you participated in a state house press conference where more than 250 businesses, towns, and organizations from across Maine announced support for a Maine trails bond that's being introduced by a bipartisan group of lawmakers. We're going to have NRCM's advocacy director, Pete Didesheim, on in a second to talk about the details. But you've been such a great partner in that effort. Um, and you spoke at that press conference. From your perspective, why should this proposed investment in Maine trails be a priority for the legislature this year? So the the first thing that pops into my head is choices. And everyone should have choices. And everyone, and that includes people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. So this trail bond could open up access to a lot of areas in Maine that aren't necessarily open to access to everyone yet. And really that's that's what I try to, stress to people is that everyone deserves choices mm. and so hopefully this will allow us to not only build accessible trails which are needed but we have thousands of miles of trails that are already built and those need to be improved and maintained and and made better so remove remove obstacles build parking lots um have accessible bathrooms mm-hmm. where they're available and so all of this stuff that could be could be there should be available through this trail bond. And I hope it I hope it really goes a long way to opening up access for future generations that because I, what I'm really trying to do is give people what I didn't have. Mm. And so I want to make the world better than I than I found it. And I think that that's what this trail bond will do is make Maine better than we found it. I love that. It's so simple, so clear. Well, Enoch, it has been such a pleasure to speak with you, uh, to hear your story, to hear your vision. And I just want to thank you on behalf of NRCM for all your advocacy to improve accessibility of trails in Maine and all the hard work that you're doing. So thanks again for joining us. I don't know if you have any parting words for everybody, but if you do, now's the time. (laughs) Well, I just wanted to thank NRCM for asking me and giving me the opportunity to be a part of this because it really is a huge thing for Maine. And I think it's going to be a huge thing for the people of Maine. So anything I can do to make it happen is is a a great privilege to be able to do. Awesome. Let's make it happen. Thanks so much for joining us, Enoch. Thank you. Our next guest is no stranger to the podcast, NRCM's Advocacy Director, Pete Didesheim, who has been leading the campaign to pass this Maine Trails bond we just talked to Enoch about. Pete, I'm curious, where did the idea for the Trails bond come from? What, Where did it germinate? Uh, well, we had a number of conversations in the fall that really kind of caused one of those light bulb moments where we realized, wow, Maine has incredible trails? and we take advantage of them Mm. and we really don't invest in them we expect a lot from them but we take them for granted the the reality is that the state of maine provides almost no funding to support the maintenance and construction and stewardship of our trail system Mm. we have something like four thousand miles of non-motorized trails recreational trails and there's literally no state funding that helps 
invest in those trails. It's an important part of our, our infrastructure. So we've, we had conversations in Western Maine with some folks with the High Peaks Alliance and also with the Maine Trails Coalition. And they had been thinking about this idea for a while and NRCM just jumped in whole hog and decided, let's build a campaign. I think Maine people really need to understand Mm -hmm. uh, the importance of trails for our economy, for our public health, for uh, for our way of life, and let's see if we can build support around a bill. And it's it's really taken off from them. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, as you were just saying, this would be the first ever bond and uh, sort of dedicated funding stream specifically for trails. So talk a little bit about the details there. The proposal is for a $30 million bond. How, how would that work? What, 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 what would it look like? Yeah, so it would be a $30 million bond for, for non-motorized and motorized and diverse use trails. It would be spread out over four years. It'd be managed by the Bureau of Parks and Lands. They would distribute grants. Right now, the BPL is what Bureau of Parks and Lands is, uh, currently manages a small amount of money that comes to the state from the federal government. And they have very small grants that go out to land trusts and communities, and uh, and, and those are used, but they just don't go very far. Mm. So this would be an infusion of funding into, through the Bureau of Parks and Lands for this grant program, and just learning what we've learned in the last couple of months, I think there are hundreds of proposals that will come forward because there are some really great ideas mm -hmm. and some really big needs. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that is um, that's garnered this bipartisan support. You've got a group of, bi uh, of both Democrat and Republican legislators sponsoring this proposal. Um, speak a little bit about why you think that sort of is transcending politics. I mean, you've talked about the importance of trails, but th th it is significant that, you know, we just had a press conference. Senator Black sp spoke. And, and Representative Faye spoke about the importance of trails. Right. So the bill was introduced with four Democrats, five Republicans, and one independent legislator. So it, right out of the box, it was bipartisan, nonpartisan. And the truth is that once you get on a trail, no matter what you're doing, whether you're snowmobiling or running or hiking or, or walking or cross-country skiing, um, you're not there as a partisan. You're just there connecting mm -hmm. to the natural world. You're not a Democrat, you're not a Republican, you're not an independent. You're just um, appreciating what Maine has and connecting to it through that trail. So and the, the reality is that a lot of these trails that we all hold up as, as just wonderful experiences are in rural Maine. Mm -hmm. And many of these communities are identifying ways to diversify their economies. And the recre outdoor recreation economy is really central to their future economic viability. There aren't a lot of other options since paper mills have closed and a lot of manufacturing is left. And many areas in the state, in rural Maine, are recognizing it's snowmobiling and hiking and, and people who are moving into the area for the amenities and outdoor recreation experiences, trails are kind of at the heart of a lot of that. And mm. so because Rural Maine has many Republican legislators, uh, and many of them enjoy trails, just like all the other <laughs> uh, legislators at the state house. I think this is one possible uh, piece of legislation where a lot of folks who may disagree on other issues can find common ground on this one. 
Yeah, and I think that's one of the really interesting things to me about this bill and the exciting things of this about this bill is it just would support trails of all kinds of uses. As as anyone who knows me knows, I'm a big fan of like multi-use paths where you could bike, walk. Um, I use I was telling Enoch I use one to get groceries here in, in my town. But you know, people use trails for snowmobiling or ATVing. A lot of us hike on trails. And so, you know, you uh, I think it's great that you worked with a broad range of interests to craft this bill so that we would make sure that we're supporting every kind of trail that people are using, you know, it's an and, all in, it's an all in approach. If, if you've got a trail idea that, that you think uh, potentially could use some investment for maintenance or design or creation or construction, this grant program would be open to that. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that's, so this week at the press conference, we released a letter from this really remarkable coalition, more than 260 groups supporting the main trails bond. Those was businesses, towns, organizations, ranging from LL Bean to the Maine Snowmobile Association, Town of Caribou, Maine Tourism. Give our listeners a sense of this group and how powerful it is, you think, to have this broad range of organizations supporting trails. Yeah, so I've worked at the State House a long time, like almost 27 mm -hmm. years, actually 27 years. And I have, I can't even think of a time I've seen uh, this variety and geographic diversity of interests and in support of any piece of legislation. In uh, about a month ago, there was 20 individuals on this on this letter. It's, it's organizations and towns and businesses. And, uh, and we're already at 260. Mm. And my sense is that this has momentum behind it. And Many of those 260 are statewide organizations that re represent hundreds of businesses. Uh, there's the Maine Youth Camp Association, which is 180 camps. And right. you've got the Maine State Chamber of Commerce, which is speaking for hundreds of businesses. And you got lots of regional chambers of commerce. And the Maine Tourism Association, which is talking for a whole sector of our mm -hmm. economy. And so, and then we got individual towns. I mean, you've got you got the city of Callis, the city of Caribou, the city of Gardner, the city of Westbrook. I mean, we've got, you know, the town of Rumford and Greenville and Brunswick and Belgrade. So whole towns have endorsed this concept. That doesn't happen very often. So, mm -hmm. and then of course you've got all the different trail user groups. Uh, you've got trail runners, you've got equestrian trail users, you've got dog walkers, you've got everything. And um, so that's pretty exciting. And mm -hmm. It is, as I mentioned, a kind of a rare opportunity for lawmakers to put aside some of the differences and and recognize that, you know, Maine people love their trails and Maine has the potential to become mm. really a top tier trail state in the country. I mean, mm. we really do. We've got a potential that a lot of other states just don't have and would be envious to have. And other states are recognizing that you need to invest in these trails to really make them the sort of uh, destination that people want. Some of our trails have lousy trailheads. You can't find them. Once you get on mm -hmm. some of our trails, you get lost. A lot of our trails, as Enoch has, has explained to you, are not accessible for the full range of, of folks that want to get out onto trails. So this is something that, that we think is building momentum because it's like, just a simple, but a really good idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like you said, almost everybody yeah. is touched yeah. by a trail, right? It's yeah, one the, of those the news conference I said, all right, we all go you and who do. love trails, you can come forward and 
And anybody here who hates trails, you can just stay seated. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who the heck hates trails? Right. <laughs> and Enoch said, I think when people think of Maine, they think maybe they think of lobster first, but then they think of trails. They do. That was a good they quote, do. too. Yeah, that, that was, was good. great. Yeah. And I mean, I just love, um, you know, the, we had this press release ready to go for the press conference. We had to update it the morning of the press conference because 10 other groups had signed on overnight. Like that's, that's just so it's exciting to see that momentum. So I'm, I'm yeah, curious like on that one. I was like, Oh, you're kidding. Island Institute. Of course we, you know, they want to join yeah. and a snowmobile club in Bingham wants to join. Yeah. And then yeah. all these others is like, you know, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was great. So so um, what's next for the trails trails bond? Um, there's there's not been a hearing yet. Give people a sense of what the path forward looks like from as you see it and, and how people can get involved in supporting this. What we think is a really great idea. Yeah. So the bill was printed a little while ago, but today was the real launch. So um, now we want people to start talking about it. So anybody who's listening, please call your legislator, your representative and your senator like now and tell them to support LD 1156, the main trails bond. We need to build up the level of awareness and people talking about this and communicating to their legislators that this is a priority for them and that they want it to be a priority for their elected representatives. So this is a bond proposal, which means that it needs to go through a public hearing and that public hearing probably will be at the end of April. Uh, the appropriations committee will consider all the bond bills and then if the Appropriations Committee passes it, it'll go to the House and Senate. It needs a two-thirds vote in the House and Senate. So that needs to be a strong bipartisan vote in both the House and Senate. And then the governor would sign it and it would be sent to the voters and they would vote mm -hmm. on it in November. And I am totally confident that if the voters get a chance to vote for the main trails bond, it will pass overwhelmingly. Yeah. So we want the public to urge their legislators to please give the people of Maine the opportunity to make this decision. Mm -hmm. Give us the opportunity to vote for trails. But as you know, there's, you know, some clashes between the parties at the state house over budgeting. There's some concerns about bonding. There's some concerns about the economy and interest rates. But what I've pointed out is, and I've looked at all of the bonds that have been issued in the last 60 years by the state, the state of Maine has never passed a bond for trails. And we have passed hundreds of millions of dollars of bonding at points when the economy, when the interest rate in the economy was significantly higher than it is today. So in a historical context, interest rates are not that high. Actually, this is an important time to, to be, um, to be pass, you know, passing a bond. And I, one of the speakers today, made a really good point that, you know, if there's gonna be a slowdown in the economy, it's gonna hit rural Maine harder probably than elsewhere. And um, investing in trails is actually, a, is just a really good thing for rural economies mm. right now. It, it, it not only creates jobs and, and the Associated General Contractors of, of Maine is one of the supporters of this because you will generate jobs if you're spending money building things, bridges and, and culverts and, and rerouting trails and building new trails, but also you're, you're building attractive infrastructure that's gonna attract more people into these parts of the state. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I can't help myself. This is a good reminder to people when you go, when you're 
when you take a trip to go hike on a trail or ride a trail or whatever, make sure you're stopping the store in that town, you know, make sure you stop in the restaurant, support those local businesses. Cause it's really important. Just go, you know, drive in and out. Um, um, so definitely do that. Well, this is, this is a great overview. We're really excited about the main trails bond. Like you said, uh, people can go to nrcm.org to learn more. We've got an action alert. You can fill out to send your legislator an email. As Pete mentioned, you know, if you know your legislator or see them on the street, talk to them about it. That's always the most powerful thing. Give them a ring. Um, but uh, if uh, if it works for you, we've also got that action alert on the website. Pete, before we let, let you go, um, I just, I wanted to check in with you because um, we're a little, we're actually more than, um, more than half past the legislative session. We've got about two more months left. Can you give our supporters a, just a really quick short status update as you see it, a sense of where the session stands right now as it relates to Maine's environment and NRCM's priorities? Sure. Um, so we've got about six weeks left before the committees hit a deadline when they are supposed to have reported out and voted on all of the bills that have been referred to them. So the next six weeks are going to be a, a real frenzy at the committee with public hearings and work sessions, so a lot of activity. So, I mean, we're over there at some of our committees and they, you know, some of them are considering five, six, seven bills in a single day. So, and a lot of, of actions is, is still ahead of us, like the train, the trails bond public hearing hasn't happened yet. The offshore wind bill has not been printed yet. Uh, there's another bill dealing with uh, reforming the bottle bill that hasn't been printed yet. So there's still about 500 bills that haven't yet even been printed. So they're going to go from being printed to right into a public hearing to going into work session and having votes. So we have got to keep our eyes on the ball over the state house very closely between now and mid June when the legislature is likely to adjourn. Um, but I would say that generally speaking, uh, many of the the rollback bills have been defeated. So that's good. So it doesn't it doesn't feel like there's any mood at the state house to go backwards on environmental policy. And I think there's quite a, a lot of interest in continuing to build on, on uh, the record of success that we've had in recent years. So although the, a lot of decisions have yet to be made, I generally feel pretty optimistic that come mid-June, uh, we'll have a number of additional uh, points on the scoreboard for, for Maine's environment. Well, that's great news. Build on that progress we've been making over the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people were probably our supporters would be happy to see that the there was a attempted rollback of the plastic bag ban that was defeated. Yeah. That that was one of several rollbacks, as you mentioned. Um, so Pete, thanks again for joining the podcast and for talking trails with me. I know this has been a real passion project for you. So many people are excited about the prospects for more and better trails in Maine. So thanks to you for all your work. And we'll, of course, for, to our listeners, we'll keep you updated on how the Maine Trails Bond does. And thanks as always for tuning in. And I hope you get to get out now that it's beautiful out. I hope you get to, well, it's beautiful in the winter too, but beautiful and warm. I hope you get to go out and explore some of your favorite trails, um, not in a snowsuit and snow boots. <laughs> thanks again, Pete. Yeah, thanks, Colin. 
Thank you for listening to Maine Environment, Frontline Voices. Since 1959, NRCM has been tapping into the power of Maine people, science, and the law to protect and enhance the nature of Maine. To learn more about our work protecting Maine's environment, visit nrcm.org or follow us on social media at NRCM Environment.